The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that would be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. This is the gospel of the Lord. Pray with me, please. We pray, come Holy Spirit. Lord, speak to us today in a fresh way that we might hear what the Spirit is saying and that we might respond and that we might grow into your likeness. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, Merry Christmas. What a joy it is to gather together as family and friends and visitors to celebrate the birth of our Savior. People all over the world, they've either already celebrating or they're going to celebrate the very same thing that we're gathering to celebrate tonight, the birth of Jesus. The reading that I read today out of Luke in chapter 2, it's a familiar reading. It's, a, it's the Christmas story. And it's written by Luke, a physician. And what's interesting is that when we read the Gospel of Luke, when we come to the very beginning of Luke, Luke makes a point to say that people have written a record of the life of Jesus, but he writes that he's analyzed, that he's studied, he's examined these, these records, and he writes his own record so that the facts might be thoroughly convincing for those of us who read them, that they might be fundamentally relevant to our lives. So we get in the writing and the gospel of Luke, we get a lot of detail that we don't get in any other gospel. And we hear today in Luke in chapter 2, the, the record of the shepherds who are living out in the fields. And we're told, Luke says, what are they doing? They're, they're watching their flocks at night. That's what shepherds do. And then we're told that an angel of the Lord appeared and, and the shepherds were frightened, and the angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. For today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. 
He is Christ the Lord. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. This message that is proclaimed to the shepherds is the very same message that was proclaimed to Mary when she was told, you're, gonna, you're highly favored, you're going to be with child, you're going to have a son. And the very same message that was told to Joseph by an angel. It said, Joseph, Mary's going to give birth to a son and you're to name him Jesus. So when we open up the Bible, we discover that at the very heart of the Bible is the message of the gospel. It's the good news of great joy for all people. It's the center of the Christmas story. It is why we gather tonight. It's what we celebrate. It's the good news of great joy for all people. And for those of us that have encountered Jesus in a very real way, any person that's encountered him in a very real way, in a life-transforming way, we have the same proclamation. The Apostle Paul, y'all might know Paul. Paul was a guy who was, who was opposed to Jesus. And Paul had one of those moments in his life when he met Jesus in a very dramatic way on the road to Damascus. And his life was forever changed. It was a life-transforming moment for him. And, and, and Paul writes a little bit later to his protege, Timothy. Listen to what he says. He says, Timothy, here's a trustworthy saying. Timothy, here's something that you can hang on to. Here's something that you can rely upon, Timothy. That Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. And then Paul qualified that by saying, of which I'm the worst. I'm public enemy number one. This is the proclamation that Christ came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst, Paul writes. Those of you that know me, you know that I enjoy playing golf. I'm a little, I'm really on the IR list now because of my hip replacement. But it doesn't take away from the fact that I enjoy playing golf. And when we first moved here, I started to play golf with, with people that I didn't know. And they didn't know me. And it would always work out this way that I would meet these guys and we're on the first tee box and, and the conversation would be somewhat colorful. The jokes would start flying. And we would make our way around the course and finally somewhere down, you know, maybe number four, number five, the conversation shifted and said, well, T, what do you do? I said, you really want to know? I said, well, I'm a priest. I'm, a, I'm, I'm the rector of a, at a church here in Greenville, St. Paul's Anglican Church. And you can imagine the shock on these guys' eyes. <laughs> but I remember one question in particular. Fellas said, well, T, how's business? <laughs> I said, well, you know, there's really no shortage of sinners. <laughs> and I know that. I know that not just from reading in the Bible. I know there's no shortage of sinners every time I look into the mirror. I know that to be true. Because you see, the closer we get to the Lord, the longer that we are walking with him, the more aware that we become of our own unholiness. 
And Christmas reminds me of how far away I am from the Lord in terms of being holy in every way all the time. And that the longer, the longer that I live in the light of God's holiness, the more I become more aware of the subtle, deceptive sins of the heart. Those things that I create to become idols in my life. Those places where I live with ungodly character. And I've learned that the longer that I stand in the light of Christ, the louder my, my cry for grace becomes. This is what the Apostle Paul said. He knew something about that. He knew something about looking into the mirror and seeing a sinful man. Paul says, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, what I do is the evil that I don't want to do. And I keep on doing this. And then he cries out, what a wretched man that I am. Who's going to rescue me from this body of death? And then here's the Christmas proclamation. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. He would write to Titus, for the very grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. You see, Jesus, the baby that's born that we celebrate, he grows into a man. And when he begins his ministry, he reinforces this. He makes the point very clear. He tells stories. He tells stories of a coin that got lost, but then it got found with great rejoicing. He tells the story of a shepherd that loses his sheep, but he goes and finds the sheep, and there's great rejoicing. He tells the story of a, of a father who deals with the grief of a son who turns his back on him, but the son returns to great rejoicing. It's in these stories that Jesus tells in his ministry that he makes the point that by nature, all of us, we're naturally lost like sheep. By nature, we're, we're lost like a son, willfully lost like a son. By nature, we are helplessly lost like a coin. And it's the story of Christmas that's, that we're not trying to clean ourselves up. Even though we look great tonight, we're not, the story of Christmas that we don't clean ourselves up. We don't try to present ourselves to God to somehow be acceptable to God. But the miracle of Christmas is that God in the person of Jesus Steps down into our brokenness. He steps down into our darkness. He steps down into our mess. He steps down into a world where right is wrong and wrong is right. And he steps down in time to or, in order to provide the answer to our condition. It's not, only, it's not only in the stories that Jesus tells in his ministry, but it's also we see the very same point being made in his, in his miracles. Jesus was known as a miracle man. Jesus was known as a healer. People were flocking to be healed by Jesus. And one particular story that I just love is when four friends were taking their, their paralyzed friend to, to get in front of Jesus. 
And they couldn't get into the room because it was completely full. So desperate people do desperate things, and they dug a hole through the ceiling, and they lowered their friend right in front of Jesus with great expectation that he would heal their friend who was paralyzed. But what happens next is shocking. Nobody expected what Jesus said next. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. What? Come on, Jesus. We want you to do a physical healing. That's why we brought him. And you do this kind of invisible forgiveness. Is Jesus not interested in this man's condition? Yes. He's interested in this man's condition. And he looks at your life and he looks at my life and he knows our needs he knows our fallings he knows our failures but yet Jesus puts his finger on this man's greatest need and this man's greatest need is actually our greatest need we are by nature sinful broken and busted we've missed the mark We've missed the standard of God's godliness. And the Bible says because of that, we deserve punishment. And that punishment is, get this, death. For the wages of sin is death. And we can't do anything about it. And we need someone not in our sinful condition to stand in our place. And this is exactly what the angel told Joseph, the very same message that he told the shepherds that you're going to have a son and you're to name him Jesus. You know what Jesus means? It means the one who saves because he will save. You ask, well, who is he going to save? He saves those who believe in him. He saves those who trust in him. We know, we know the greatest verse in the Bible. We all got it memorized. John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his son, that all who believe in him, all who trust in him, should not perish, which is the result of our sinful nature, which is eternal separation for God, should not perish but have eternal life. And this is what is offered to us through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, through the work that he has accomplished, the baby grows and he goes to the cross to stand in our place to take our punishment because he loves us. But if you're anything like me, this is what I kind of do when I think about owning up to my sinful nature. I kind of start looking around. You know, I start comparing with other people. And I start looking at the jails and say, well, you know, <laughs> those people, those are sinful people. Those people, that guy that murdered, he, he, he should die. I don't need to die. I'm really, I'm not that bad off when you look at these other guys. We think the guy somehow grades on the curve. But here, the real issue is this. We heard it last week when Grace was with the children. The real issue is the attitude of our hearts. Because, you see, it's in our hearts where we want to do what we want to do. That was the problem with Paul. We don't want to be under anyone's authority. 
We want to choose what we want to do. We want to determine our own objectives. We want to make our own plans. And we want to worship who or whatever we want to worship. Whatever idol we create. Money, we'll worship that. Hobbies, we'll worship that. A relationship, we'll worship that. And if you're anything like me, you know that these idols that we create are insufficient. They're self-depleting, and they can never, ever satisfy. I grew up in the 60s, so I'm a child of the 60s. And I love the music that came out of the 60s. I listened to all the bands. And, and it seems like the songs that were written in the 60s in that time period... Most of the songs were written about people longing for something more in life, to fill their life, something more than hate and death and war. And one of those bands that I listened to in the 60s was named the Moody Blues. Now, okay, I know some of y'all know the Moody Blues. And they wrote a song named Question. And one of the lyrics in, the, in that song, Question, goes like this. I'm looking for someone to change my life. I'm looking for a miracle in my life. You know, maybe tonight, maybe that resonates with some of us that are here. Maybe tonight we don't don't understand how all the pieces of the puzzle fit together. Maybe we don't understand how can God be a just God and punish sin but yet be such a loving God and forgive it. Maybe we don't understand how we can embrace that which he offers to us as a gift. Here's the truth. That we've got to understand the bad news in order to understand the good news. It's kind of like, it's kind of like this man who walks into an art gallery And he sees all these paintings hanging on the wall. And he notices they're all painted by the same person. And he asks the owner of the art gallery, he says, are these paintings going to become more valuable when this artist dies? And the the owner of the art gallery says, by all means, that always happens. When the artist dies, those paintings go up in value. He says, I'll buy them all. Wrap them up, send them to this address. So the owner of the art gallery, when the man leaves, he calls the artist. He says, I got some good news and I've got some bad news. They say, well, what's the good news? He said, a man came in here. He saw all your pieces of art. He bought every single one of them for full price. And the artist said, wow, that is great news. That's just outstanding What in the world is the bad news? He said, well, unfortunately, that man's your doctor. You're going to die. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He gave a Christmas sermon in 1946. He said there are three kinds of people in the world. There are those who are sick and don't know it. There are those who are sick and know it. And there are those who have found the cure. You see what we're celebrating tonight, the good news of great joy for all people. We're celebrating the cure. We're celebrating 100% immortality. 
We're celebrating an abundant life. We're celebrating eternal life because without the gift, it's 100% mortality. Nobody's getting out of here alive. Have we received the good news? As we sit here tonight, have we received the gift of a Savior? Because, you see, I could stand up here and I could genuinely offer this Bible to every one of you. Here, please, take it. But you could choose not to receive it. And in the very same way, God stands tonight and he's saying, I'm offering to you my dearly beloved son. Receive him. Forsake all others. Receive him and trust in him. This is the good news of great joy for all people. And what's the appeal of this message? It's truth. It's simple truth. And we live in a culture that is full of lies so that even when we hear the truth, we think it's a lie. But friends, Jesus didn't come into this world to blame us, to point his bony finger at us. He came into this world to save us. And when we cry out and call him Savior, we call him by his name. And I wonder, have we ever called out to him that way? Have we ever called out to him, Lord Jesus Christ, be my Savior. Bear my punishment. Take my life and make me new. You know what my hope is this Christmas? My hope this Christmas may prove to be God not only planting this virgin birth in the heart and life of Mary, but a virgin birth taking place in the heart, in your heart and my heart, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer. Making us brand new people. Transforming us from the inside out. Receiving the peace of God that passes all understanding. Receiving the love of God. Receiving the hope that we find in the resurrection. Because then and only then will this Christmas be a blessed Merry Christmas. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Today, a Savior is born. Is he born in your heart? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the gift. And Lord, I just pray for those of us that are here that really believe that it's a lie, that really believe that it's a fairy tale. But Lord, there's something moving that maybe it's just a cry of the heart. Lord Jesus, come and be my Savior. I just pray in the quietness of our hearts. That prayer. Come and make me new. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for the greatest gift given. 
We love you, Lord, and we pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.